Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Thank you guys for joining us. It means more to me than you can ever really realize. I know so many times we get discouraged by things in our lives. Sometimes the things around us, sometimes it's things internal. But I want you to know that there are many, many exciting things going on and lots of exciting things going on at the Union Gospel Mission. I just caught one of our ads and wanted to let all of you know that it is so exciting for us at the mission to have a growing women's ministry there as well. You know, we have the women's clothes closet. For the first time, we got showers going for the ladies, which is exciting. They can shop. They can get a nice, clean clothing. A lot of times, the stuff that's donated uh, actually comes in new with tags on it and everything. So it's a great time. We're doing a lot of things. We're trying to transform the whole mission so that it is deeper and deeper into the Word of God and so that there are no vestiges left of anything that is not biblically centered. And so, to that point, I have a good friend of mine who's a chaplain at the Union Gospel Mission. He's been there for a few months, but almost a year, right? Is that correct, Ralph? Yes. I've got Ralph King with me. Ralph, uh, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. See, he got it down the first time. Everyone. <laughs> so, uh, Ralph, tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from, how you even heard about the Union Gospel Mission. Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in the Bay Area and uh, spent some time in the Marine Corps. And uh, when I got out, uh, went through different sorts of uh, jobs and careers and spent a lot of time in the uh, mixed martial arts and self-defense industry. And as I was doing that, uh, not realizing what God was doing in my life, mm -hmm. uh, working out a call to ministry. And so as we moved to Placer County, uh, that became more evident. Uh, so I pursued uh, finishing my uh, undergraduate studies and on to seminary and then uh, entered into a pastoral internship for two years at Doxa Church in Rockland. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where I met uh, Jeremy uh, Gauthier, and uh, he's been at uh, the mission for almost two years, I almost believe. Almost two, yeah. Yeah, and so last year he had approached me and said uh, that uh, the mission was looking to expand the chaplain staff and yeah. uh, thought I'd be a good fit, and here I am. Well, and I absolutely agree with that. I think that all the chaplains we have, Victor, you, uh, yeah, maybe Mr. Gutierrez. I don't care how he says it's supposed to be pronounced. And uh, we have Pastor Mooney, who's going to be retiring in June. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have quite a chaplaincy, mm -hmm. I think. And Eric Rios, who has been there for years and years now, uh, has always had a heart for the guys He's always been their aftercare chaplain. You know, we changed his title to, to aftercare chaplain because what he does is not just uh, try to get the guys help with resumes and jobs and work out finance things and get them on budgets and stuff like that, but he also counsels with the men. And he has the heart for the men, and, and that's so vital. These guys know if you don't care, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So uh, now did you— Get your Masters of Divinity? 
I am working on that right now at okay. Southern Seminary. I did complete my Master of Theology at Midwestern Baptist Seminary, and I have- I uh, approve of both those places. <laughs> yes, they're great schools. Uh, about three more classes left um, in the middle of Hebrew right now, which <laughs> I'll be doing through next February. Um, but after that, Lord willing, I uh, should be graduating from Southern with a Master of Divinity. Good. You could help Jeremy. I understand his quiz yesterday was in Hebrews. Yes. So uh, always fun, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, you know, you might wonder why it is that we want our chaplains to be so well-versed because we're all of the same opinion that to really help these men, we really need to know what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole part of biblical counseling is that the Bible has, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it has all the answers. Yes, it does. But what does it also take to draw those answers out? Time in the Word. <laughs> Time in the Word and training, right? Yes. You need to remember as a counselor always to be able to listen twice as long as as you're talking. You know, so many people fail to realize that when you're trying to counsel with somebody, the majority of the time is what you need to do in the beginning is listen, evaluate, and store away everything that they're saying in the back of your mind so that when it comes down to actually giving them practical and biblical counsel— that one, it's correct, and two, that you truly have given time to prayer. How, when you're counseling somebody, how much of that time before they come into your office do you take in prayer about that individual? It actually starts the night before mm-hmm. for me as I look at the next day's schedule, uh, who I have appointments with, and knowing what the different men are wrestling with. Um, it's something I'm preparing for ahead of time. Uh, so the night before, uh, during morning devotions, and then uh, before the men come into the office and we sit down, I'll, I'll prepare myself and, and pray, and then we pray together as well. So Yeah, I don't think people always realize. I think that they think that if you're counseling somebody, you just wait for the each person to come in, and then you just uh, kind of wing it. You shoot from mm-hmm. the hip. I've been doing this for 20 years, so I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, First of all, you haven't been doing that person for 20 years. You haven't been doing that couple for 20 years. They're brand new, and every situation is different. There are certain fundamental rules that you always take, and one of those has to be in counseling that you're in prayer, like like Ralph just said to everybody. It is fundamental for our lives, and it's fundamental for counseling to be in the Word, to be on our knees in prayer about those individuals. And there are certain things that are repetitive. When I would counsel people in a marriage situation, there were rules I would have. You don't ever get to say what their problem is. Tell me what your problem (laughs) is. I think that in counseling with our men, do you find that it, it takes a great deal of effort to bring them back to what part of this is your problem? Yes, yes. I think a, a common um, thing we deal with is men that have sought out therapists um, mm. or different secular types of counseling, which typically don't address the problem of sin. Mm-hmm. So uh, normally they're told that it's your environment that is the problem. It's a lack of education, perhaps resources. If we provide these things for you, 
then you'll be okay. Uh, but we can turn on the news and see there are plenty of professional athletes and Hollywood stars who have everything a person would seem to want and still have the same problems the rest of us uh, that we all, we all struggle with. So uh, Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Uh, matter of fact, when we're trying to analyze things like that, there's certain things that we don't and I never have allowed at the mission since I've been there is one, I don't believe in the disease model mm-hmm. of, of uh, alcoholism or drugs or any of the other. And by the way, there are a lot of addictions that are outside the realm of drugs, alcohol, and a substance. Mm-hmm. It can be sexual, it can be anger, it can be all kinds of things that we're addicted to that raise our endorphins, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can explode all over everybody, and right away in the middle of that rage, the endorphins are there, and ah, and then, and then afterwards, I had one guy say to me that, well, you know, uh, I get mad, and I blow up, but... It's okay because afterwards, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's over. I told him, yeah, you know, if I pull out a shotgun and I let go with both barrels, in just a nanosecond, the sound is stopped and it's all over. But then when I look around the room, I see the disaster that has been caused by that momentary eruption of anger, right? Yeah. There are times that we get angry. I get that. But the kind of addiction that I'm talking about is uh, of a rageaholic is, you know. So we don't allow them to say, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. Why would that be that we don't want them to identify themselves like that? Uh, we need them to understand the, the root problem being sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it comes out in different ways. Uh, often uh, what what people don't realize is their uh, reason for coping through substance abuse um, is covering up sin. Uh, there's a deep-rooted desire that they deserve something, and uh, <laughs> they have a distorted view of God, if, if one at all. And so without that proper understanding, they don't understand uh, their purpose and why they're here on this planet. And they're trying to fill a void that can't only, or that can only be filled by God. So yeah, and when we allow ourselves to be identified by our sin, hi, I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a rageaholic. I'm a drug addict. Whatever we give ourselves a license to say, it's not not me. It's something external to me, right? Mm-hmm. It's that disease model that we talked about. You know, if I get the flu, it's probably not my fault. It could be. Maybe I'm hanging out in the wrong places. But generally speaking, I didn't bring that on myself. Mm -hmm. So that's a disease model. If I get cancer, I get, yeah, there are contributory factors to those things. But when we allow ourselves the out of saying, it's not my fault, Mm -hmm. I have a disease. And I hear it all the time. I hear it on comedy shows. I hear it on uh, dramatic shows. And it just... It gives people an out, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. You know, something else is to blame. Here's another example of, of that is when a person continually draws back to what their parents did, right? What their wife did, what their husband did, you know, that made them do what they did. Mm-hmm. Is that also incorrect? Yeah. It, 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 we, we see the, the approach in, in the Garden of Eden. 
you know, God <laughs> confronting Adam. And what is Adam's response? Well, it was the woman that you gave me. Yeah. It certainly wasn't me. It was her fault. And he yeah. goes, God goes to the woman. Well, it was the serpent. You know, <laughs> we're, we're our best defense attorneys and, and we're great at deflecting and, and not taking ownership of our own sin. Yeah, and how good are the guys that come out of prison and on the street from deflecting? <laughs> Outstanding. They're experts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes people misconceive what they're really capable of out mm-hmm. on the street. So you might run into somebody that you think is intellectually inferior to you, but he knows how or she knows how to live out on that street. Yes. And you better know they know how to manipulate their situations, do they not? Oh, yes, yes. So I know it never happens at the mission, but have you ever had somebody come into counseling and try to manipulate you? All the time, all the time. Yeah. Uh, so <coughs> I also wanted to ask you, uh, tell me a little bit about, you You have talked about your background, where you came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still have relatives in the Bay Area? My grandparents, uh, thank the Lord, are still alive in their early 90s. They're in the East Bay. Uh, I have an aunt and uncle, um, two sets of aunts and uncles in the East Bay as well, Um, some out in Tracy, and then uh, some in Texas, where my family is originally from. Very nice. So it begs the question, how'd you meet your wife? Uh, I met my wife uh, when I had a um, self-defense academy that uh, I managed, and uh, she came in with some other nurse friends uh, looking for self-defense classes, and I was dating someone else at the time, and we just, became, <laughs> <laughs> we just became great friends, and people would always ask um, how long we knew each other, and we would tell them we've just met, and uh, so it was great to meet her in that manner and, and uh, begin as, as true friends. And then uh, she had loosely inquired about maybe having lunch or coffee. And I said, I don't go out with students. So she canceled her membership and uh, that affected my cash flow. But I. Uh, <laughs> now I couldn't afford to take her yeah. out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we went out, started dating, and that's been it. Yeah. So she's a lovely woman. She's. Uh, you know, I don't know her tremendously well, but she seems sweet and kind, and I think mm-hmm. that that's always a huge thing. Uh, my wife went home to be with the Lord three years ago, but she was like that. She mm-hmm. was sweet. She was kind. Everybody liked her because she was just soft-spoken and all those kind of things. And although I wouldn't do it now, mm-hmm. I only knew her five weeks when we got married, but we were not believers. Oh, wow. wow. And... uh so I was I was like 28 before I came to to really know who Christ was and mm-hmm. to come to that saving knowledge, you know. And she was 26 years old, but we were married 47 years. So God held us together, uh, not because of me, but in spite of me, for <laughs> sure. Uh, but it was just what you said. She was also my best friend, mm-hmm. and over the years, we became closer. And as friends as well, I enjoyed doing things with her. I didn't, I wasn't that guy that had to go out and do stuff with the guys. And I mean, that happens sometimes, but I didn't need that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, at any rate, she's involved in the ministry in what capacity? She's uh, hugely involved. Uh, at our church, I uh, help with training new small group leaders 
and uh, coaching some other groups. So she's involved in the coaching aspect, mm -hmm. coming alongside other wives and, and how do we minister to the, the people that are meeting weekly at our homes. Uh, my wife is an amazing cook, so her hospitality <laughs> skills allow me to invite people over just to get in the word or to, to have informal counseling That's sessions. Nice. And uh, she enjoys coming by the mission as well. We, uh, we try to uh, take the guys out to different events, uh, whether it's baseball or uh, this weekend we're going to uh, check out Sacramento Republic and get some mm. soccer in, uh, but also uh, visiting uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church and Pastor Briggs down there in Midtown. So yeah. we'll pick up some guys once I've a month. I've heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. He's okay for a Scotsman. Oh, for um, a Scotsman, yeah. Uh, yeah, so she she's very much involved and very supportive in what I do. Yeah, we're just kidding, of course, about Robert. Robert's a good friend, and and uh, one day I didn't even know they were going to go there, and I ran into you, and you had brought four four of our guys, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody said to me, "Oh, I saw you brought your guys." <laughs> well, I didn't know they were going to be here, but okay. And I wanted to just touch for a minute on what you said about we try to take guys places. I've always been under the impression that one of the things that we needed to do was get our guys when they're no longer, when they're clean and sober, they're not doing the drugs, they're not doing the old lifestyle. And I always knew that they probably had never done many of those things, or if they had, they didn't do them sober. Yes. And so uh, I've always asked that we, you know, Pastor Mooney is always taking guys to the fair. But there's other things, baseball. You put a new spin on that when you came to me one day and said, hey, something about your dad. You want to illuminate the people to what that was? Yes. My, my dad is uh, a fisherman, has wanted a boat all his life, and uh, purchased a pontoon boat a few years back. And he doesn't have a truck, but I do. So uh, I kind of get to enjoy the, the benefits of that. But... Uh, we took some of the, the men out to Rollins Lake up mm -hmm. in Colfax. Which is a beautiful lake. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, the point was to get out there, get in the Word, have some fellowship, uh, just talk about what life looks like moving forward as an ambassador of Christ. Um, you're out there in the middle of creation and just being reminded that we are saved for a purpose. That's and, right. And that's to... Uh, become increasingly like Christ, mm -hmm. to go share the gospel and make disciples of the nations. And so right. to get the men out there and uh, just to soak in the beauty of God's creation and um, see what it's like to have a good Christian fellowship uh, was huge for them. A lot of them have never done anything like that. And like you said, uh, an event like that would normally be done under the influence of some drug sure. and uh, to be out there sober and take that all in was, was uh, a, a big day for them. And so hopefully we can do that more in the future. Yeah. As long as your dad's not forced to get rid of the pontoon. Bin, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the bottom line comes down to that. All these things are integral parts to the whole, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't just one single thing that we're focusing on, but a plethora of things all under the umbrella of serving Christ. And to your point, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And we sometimes in our churches forget about that. Mm -hmm. that it is, we're not there to serve ourselves or just to feel better. We are there to serve God at his good pleasure. 
And, you know, we forget that God is holy, God is sovereign, that uh, God doesn't need us. I, all, I hear that all the time, well, God really needs. No, God really doesn't need us. There's a huge difference between God wanting us and God needing us, mm-hmm. right? So I think that if you read any of the confessions, you'll find out that one of the things that's in the middle of that is that God is self-sustaining. Yes. And what that simply means is that God is whole, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, without anything else, correct? Yes. Okay, so how much of what you're doing with our guys is focused on getting them to stop looking at themselves and start to reach out and to serve and to look at something greater than themselves? That, that is the ultimate goal. Some of these men have been through various forms of counseling, some loosely labeled Christian. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I've seen is oftentimes they have a distorted view of their identity. Yes. Uh, they are a Christian with a footnote, and that footnote says you have a drinking problem, you have a drug problem. Right. Uh, we're pointing them to God's word and telling them if they are a regenerate believer, they are born again, they are a new creation. Yes. They are no longer slaves to that sin. And that's a that's a big part of the gospel that a lot of Christians just don't have their heads wrapped around. They, they, they see salvation as a, a ticket to cash in in the future to not go to hell and get into heaven. But we're, we're saved for a purpose, and, and that's to glorify God, to become increasingly Christ-like, and be lights in the darkness. And so that's, right. that's a major focus of, where, of what we're having these men understand. Uh, so many people fail to understand that the Bible has clearly told us that you're saved unto good works. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, you could pick up the book of James, and, and most churches could get a really good lesson if they would read James. There's five chapters, so you, you don't have a lot to go. Mm-hmm. And see that I, I love it when people say, well, James is kind of the lawgiver of the New Testament. No, he's not. He's a grace giver too, but he wants to see the evidence of that grace manifest in your life, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yes, I get it. Paul said that the things I want to do, I do not do. The things I do not uh, want to do, this I do. Oh, who will rescue me from this body of death? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he answered it right after that. Praise be to God, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not okay for you to say that you've you've accepted Christ and then go back and live as if you had never known him, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I grew up around that, um, just a, a cheap grace, mm-hmm. you know, sadly. That's right. And um, I think R.C. Sproul put it best that one of the biggest problems in the church is not understanding the holiness of God. Amen. Mm-hmm. We're down to just a few seconds left. So, Ralph, what I would really like for you to do is hang on and let's do another show because the people really need to hear from you a little bit more than just 30 seconds more of dialogue. So can <laughs> you right. stay hang I around? I can do that, yes. You know what? I got to tell you that some of the best things that, that I am so grateful for, for years and years and years, I wasn't able to change things there because you can't do those things by yourself. Now I've got men that are f- smarter than I am that are capable of doing these things. And yes, I still oversee to see what's going on, but these guys are doing great. And so as always, my dearest friends, 
Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.